Hi, everybody. Just a heads up. Um, we had some technical issues at the very end of the record. It's after the draft is done. It's while we're in the post-draft analysis phase. Um, so my audio will cut out towards the very end. And uh, I did my best to edit it together where it's just Nick and Chapin there. Uh, but just a heads up about that. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to this third episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Nick Schwartz. Before we dive into this episode, folks, I'm going to take care of a little bit of business up top. All right? We've got two episodes out. we got so many people liking our stuff, sending us messages, sending us emails. A lot of nice comments, which is great. A couple ones about some things we might want to change. So, for instance... Number one complaint, these podcasts are long. Yes, they're like an hour 45 so far. They have been a little long. We're going to try to move a little quicker during them to, to make them, you know, shorten up and not so long. Personally, I like long podcasts, but I have a commute and I have a job where I can listen to podcasts all day pretty much. So long podcasts are great for me. I understand it's not the case for everybody. So we're going to do our best to shorten them up a little bit. The other one, number, number two complaint, Brantley. You say you know a lot. Yes, I do. <laughs> I sort of use that phrase like, like, or uh, um, you know. I'm going to work on that. I am sorry. I do say the phrase you know a lot. Also, I felt pretty down after our second episode. I felt like I did not just a poor job in the draft, because you know what? I didn't draft with my heart. I just, I took the big name movies that I thought were, you know, have had more critical acclaim, and I felt bad about myself for doing that, but I also felt like I wasn't a good host, and I didn't do a good job of, you know, making any sort of salient points. But then we got a message from a very kind person named Lydia, and she uh, was very complimentary of the podcast, and she uh, said that she doesn't even like horror, nor does she like fantasy sports, but that she really enjoyed it, and she thought that we made horror accessible, and that we were a very kind podcast. And I gotta tell you, it lifted <laughs> my spirits so freaking much because I oh, was I so down in the dumps about uh, my own personal performance on episode two. So I want to say, Lydia, thank you so much for sending such a nice message to us. All right, with that out of the see way. That. Yeah, okay, I'll send that to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Send yeah. She sent it she sent it through our Instagram. She sent a DM. One. So anyway, it was just the perfect timing for that to come in. Right. And I, I uh, really, really appreciate it because it it literally cool. could not have come at Sorry. a better time. That's uh, super cool, man. Yeah, yeah. So it was really nice and I really appreciated that. Uh all right. But this episode of the Horror Drafts podcast, we're drafting horror directors. And in order to do that, we had to bring in a good buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, and you know what? 
Everybody. Why am I being binary about this? Everyone listening. He is the director of Last September in the Gray Area, two independent films. He's worked on such movies and TV shows as The Family Tree, Ms. Nobody, and The Starter Wife. He's the associate creative director of Coates Cokes, an advertising and marketing firm. And most importantly, he's the co-host of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Mr. Chapin Hemingway. Chapin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Lovely to be here. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Now we've got two of the three Get Your Film Fix boys. I'm going to go for the trifecta here as soon as we can. Yeah, well, I know he was complaining the third about not being invited, and I explained to him that he, you have to ask, you have yeah. to ask and suggest something that you would be good at. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm gonna reach out to him and actually formally invite him. Um, I would be honest. I, I, you know, Lee reached out as well, asking to be on it, and it was a big surprise. And we sort of talked about that in the last episode. Um, but now that we've gotten the two of you, it's like, yeah, I gotta get all three. I think the bigger issue is going to be working it into his schedule, because that man works. Yeah, he works. He works in film, uh, mm-hmm. but hopefully that new IATSE contract will open up some more availability. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, but I, yeah, I just want to compliment you guys uh, on a great podcast so far. Um, I have to be honest; I did not listen to the whole final uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth episode, mm-hmm. um, just for particularly traumatic reasons. I. Uh, my friend Tyson, who I believe you know, Brantley, um, forced me. We work. Um, we worked at my uncle's place in Weston, Massachusetts, every summer after college. And one summer, he forced me to watch every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Um, I, and I, I, I just can't think about those anymore. So I started it, and then I was like, No, no, I, I can't. I can't do this. But the one you had with Leon, not to give Lee too much credit, I loved. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think you guys are doing great. I mean, I want to talk about The Shining, really, but I, I know that's not why we're here. So, oh, damn uh, it. That's a whole other yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do um, like a, a side podcast someday. We'll, we'll, we'll stay away from a draft, and it'll just be Nick and Chapin talking, you know, The Shining for like two hours or whatever. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. yeah. That's a dream. Let's do it. Or just The Shining podcast, right? Like we're, we, We've created this network now, so <laughs> so we've got to uh, That's right. We've got There's to enough fill material. It content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, you know, I will say, Nick, in the last episode, you're like, God, I, you know, I, I talk about the shining so much, but really, on our podcast, you haven't, and you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Nick is not just a huge fan of the shining. He, you sort of mentioned the home video releases you have, but you've affectionately nicknamed your collection of shining memorabilia as the shining, and you've literally been asked okay. to like introduce the movie, you know, to like screenings of it because you're so knowledgeable. Wow, on it. that's awesome. Yeah, I hosted a couple screenings at um, Alamo Draft House in Yonkers, um, and uh, I think three. I did I did it yearly for like three years running, and it was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, we we saw it. they screened it on thirty five, and then they screened it uh, screened the DCP, and then they screened the four K restoration. I think they were one of the first people after Can, um, where so they what looked where best. they premiered it. Um, <clears throat> I gotta be honest, it well, okay. So I've seen it in thirty five a couple times, and that's like. I have to say that because I'm like a film nerd and it's really cool. But honestly, the 4K restoration is absolutely stunning, and you can see details in that transfer that like you can never see even on the film. That's Being, amazing. Like it's incredible. They did an amazing job. Spielberg yeah. helped oversee it, so I think it was. like... Oh, did he? Okay, because I know I know Nolan helped with the 2001, the new 2001 transfer. Yeah, um, that's right. Which yes, is also yes. awesome. But yeah, those both came out 
recently, and I bought them as soon as they came out, both of those, and stunning, just like amazing looking prints. They, yeah, they truly are. And also, uh, I talk, thank I you talked for your about, kind words. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, I, I, uh, I saw, just because my little film experience, I saw one of your guys' picks from last week, Jaws, recently on 35, um, and it was spectacular. I, I don't know if it was like a new print that they, you know, I don't know if it was like a new print from a digital print, but it just looked so clean and it was so cool to see that way. And, oh my God, it was just, I, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think I've ever seen Jaws on the big screen, which was an experience in and of itself, but then a 35, a print of it was, oh, oof, gorgeous. <laughs> and sometimes like those aren't, awesome like they're you know they've the prints have seen their age and like the sound is bad but this was just chef's that's, kiss oh that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome yeah. yeah i was wondering nick if like the reason the 4k looks so good is you know they've literally gone through frame by frame and like made it look wonderful whereas any number of those prints could have you know wear and scratches and things like that so it just doesn't you know pop as well yeah my understanding is um warner brothers has like a staff colorist um, I can't remember her name, but she was kind of like she was in charge of doing the color, and then I think Spielberg kind of oversaw the whole process because um, he and he and Kubrick were were buddies. I went back and I looked at that story. Apparently, they met on the set of the Colorado Lounge um, because Spielberg was getting ready to shoot Raiders of the Lost Ark at Elstree Studios right, he, right after. He wanted to get in there. They wanted to get, they wanted to start <laughs> shooting like, in there. They were like, "Hurry up!" <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened, and. Uh, and obviously, it left an impression. I mean, if you've seen Ready Player One, it left a big impression. Oh um, wow, yeah, that's that's like the only real scene, good scene in the movie, I think. But yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But um, anyway, yeah, great transfer. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what are we drafting this episode? Right, we're drafting horror directors. Now, before we get into that, though, uh, we have to install a commissioner. Now, once again, we've offered this to our guest, Chapin, but he has declined to be the commissioner. Now, Nick, since I was commissioner last episode, I think you should be the commissioner for this episode. Does that sound good? Uh, yeah, I can I can do that. All I'll right. try. I'm hoping there's not going to be a lot to have to rule on this episode, but I guess you never know. you got to be ready. I Honestly, well, does... I might turn down some of my own picks, but we'll see. <laughs> that does beg a question, because... Having listened, I listened twice to your episode last week, guys. Such a great episode. Uh, but, and I was, and I was, there was a couple, and I don't want to step on anybody's picks, but there's a couple people on that list who had directed these like seminal horror movies, but I wouldn't call them horror movie directors. And mm. so I think it might be good for us to at least quickly discuss, uh, like we do on the Get Your Film Fix podcast, that'll be the first of many plugs, um, <laughs> what our criteria was for selecting one of these, these people. Yeah. Do you want to start, Chapin? Sure. So for me, like they had to direct more than one horror film. And so that eliminated a lot of people from that, from that list. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I also try to, I try to try to like, I am not anywhere near as well-versed in horror as the two of you. Um, I fall more in the Lee camp, although I, I like horror and have a lot more respect for horror than I think Lee does. Um, and but I I'm not well well versed and so I do have a couple of people on this list who I'm like oh like I don't know if I, there's one guy who I haven't seen any of his movies but I, I I know them I know that there's reverence for them and mm. so um you know on our podcast that would be a big no no but he's <laughs> gonna be on mine so well you know the um, thing is like horror is such a big genre and it's existed for almost the history of the film as a medium so. 
I mean, my criteria was very similar to yours. I, they had to have directed at least two horror movies, what movies that I would consider horror, and I had to have at least seen two of the movies that they directed that were horror. Um, you know, because you're right. I mean, Spielberg outside of Jaws, you know, what's really a horror movie? Friedkin outside of The Exorcist, what else has he directed that might be considered a horror movie? So I couldn't, you know, see putting those two on my list either. But, you know, because it's such a big genre, it makes sense that there's such big people in it who have such seminal work within the genre that you might not have seen their material. So that is fine. Right. right. I would say, actually, and Friedkin is a great example of this because he directed that movie Bug um, oh, yeah. in right. so 2006, too, which right. actually, is, like, you're not right. really yeah. a horror movie, but it's, it is. I mean, it absolutely is a psychological, like, thriller horror film. And But, yeah. like, I mean, there's plenty of people who... who thought that movie was complete trash i loved it um i think it's brilliant but um you know that right there that's has he directed two horror movies i'm not sure bug is debatable well, like could you make an argument that sorcerer is a horror movie i mean it's not it's more like a thriller but it, yeah. uh, you know you know per, well, personally to me i would think of that more as a thriller but you know it it's certainly intense so i could and you know violent and disturbing at times so yeah i mean i think the case could be made but I'm not the commissioner of this episode. Nick is. So he'll decide. All right. So maybe you will have okay. more more decisions to make than we anticipated, Nick. Well, well yeah. Let's see. Let's dive in. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm going to be a terrible commissioner, but I'll do my best. All right. So before we jump into the draft, and, and by the way, we'll let everybody know, this is a five-round draft. So we're going to be drafting 15 directors. And then after that, we'll move into post-draft analysis. We do not have any final segments on this because, again, some of the criticism was how long the podcast was so uh nothing extra after that but before we dive in oh sorry go ahead who 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 said that you know just a couple (laughs) things i don't want to i don't want to call people out i don't want to you know throw i've been uh, because i've been hearing that for for, since we began the podcast and like you know what i like long like when the podcast is good it's good that it's long right Mm -hmm. because you want more of it and it's a time killer and whatever so yeah whatever whatever (laughs) I think, you know, there's just people who don't have as much time to listen to podcasts and, you know, they just want to be, when they're listening to ones they like, they want to make sure they have time to do it and maybe don't have to be split it up into multiple chunks or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but before we jump into the draft, we uh, usually started off uh, each episode with uh, a You Should Check Out segment. You know, generally that's about horror, but it does not have to be. And Chapin, since you're our guest, why don't you start us off? What would you recommend for folks? Ooh, God. And you know what? It doesn't um, even have to be something you've watched recently. If there's just a movie you would recommend to people, <laughs> go for it. Okay, okay. Movie Great. or TV. Um, I mean, really anything. You know, Really anything. Okay. Um, geez. Can I, can I get, have a moment to think about that? I feel of very course. unprepared. I'm sorry. If I could go last, use my um, guest status to go last. <laughs> of course. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I'll go uh, for... Uh, well, I guess, yeah, I'll go first. Um, so uh, I've watched a couple horror things. Some I don't really want to talk about because they're going to pertain to some of the upcoming drafts that um, Nick and I are doing. Uh, but I did watch um, Ouija Origin of Evil, which I'd never seen before, and I never saw the original. I just heard that the original was awful. Um, but I know Mike Flanagan had directed the sequel, and I forget what it was on. I want to say it was on, like, HBO Max. Yeah, it was on HBO Max. And um, checked it out. Phenomenal. It, it, mm. it's, 
unbelievable um, how you know good that horror movie is, especially considering how bad the first one was. Even though I haven't seen it, I've just no one I've talked to thinks the first Ouija film is uh, good at all. Um, it's a period piece uh, set in I think it was the '60s, um, and does a, a really great job. Really creepy. I loved Elizabeth Reeser as the mom in it. It's someone he's worked with, obviously, again. Um, I think she was in The Haunting of Hill House, right, Nick? Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, he seems to have this, like, stable of, like, actors. I mean, obviously his wife, but, like, a stable of other, like, actors that he kind of brings back, you know, from movies and the different miniseries he works on. And so it's always nice to kind of see them popping up um, again in, in other work. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. Really creepy, even though, like, I'm not, again, I've sort of mentioned it a bunch of times, but I'm not as into the, you know, creepy, the supernatural stories. Um, but I thought they did a really great job uh with this one and, and i enjoyed it it's just a blast it's a lot of fun and, and i'd recommend it to people what about you nick nice that's actually really interesting i didn't know that um like i'm i'm partial to supernatural stories i guess that means that's a pretty good balance we have i think mm-hmm. um i was not aware of that um i uh not so much a movie i'd recommend but i, I haven't had much time to watch anything lately so the only thing i've watched since we last recorded um, was actually a movie you and I were talking about, Brantley, before we recorded with Lee, that I was I, I meant to see right before that recording, uh, and I didn't get to it. it Motel Hell. Oh um, yeah. Which uh, which I've been meaning to see since I was in high school. Um, you know, the first time I read good things about it. Um, and just never, I just never had. I mean, it's not. It's a movie you have to seek out. You'd have to like. It's not just going to be on. You have to find it. Um, and I got. I guess I just never pursued it. But it's on Shutter, and um, uh, it, it just went on recently. And I, I saw it and said, "All right, now's the time." And uh, I wouldn't not recommend it. It just was not like it didn't fall into any one of the categories I kind of expected it to fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not. It's not like a. It's not a gross out gore movie it's not a comedy necessarily although it has some great moments and like it takes itself very seriously in some parts and in others it's just like kind of almost slapstick and it was just it was all over the place in in a kind of a good way but like it was not what i was going in expecting mm-hmm. i feel like if i gave it another chance like under the right circumstances i might like it even more um I gave it like a three out of five stars. I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's, I can see why people, it's such a cult, cult following film. Uh, and I can see totally why it is, but, yeah. um, was not my favorite. I'll say yeah. That. Very, very similar to you, Nick. I never watched it. Like I knew of it, but I'd never watched it when I was younger. And so I only watched it in the last year or two as well. I think it was on prime a little while ago, if it's not anymore. And that's how I had watched it. And I had a very similar reaction as you. I can't say I would recommend it either. And I agree. It's sort of all over the place. And I think if I had watched it when I was younger and it had a little bit more of a near and dear place to my heart, um, I would have um, enjoyed it more. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it didn't stick out much for me either. I mean, it's one of those ones where you just, you know, that tagline for, uh, you I, you know, it takes all kinds of critters to make uh, farmer... God, I'm blanking on his name, but Fritters. Uh, Fritters, yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Is it Marty Forgotten? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's like it's like one of those ones you know the tagline and everything, um, uh, but you know I just never ended up watching it. And I very similar reaction to you, where yeah, all right, not great, and 
you know i can yeah, see why some I'm, people I'm not like a... it but not necessarily for me yeah totally yeah yeah what about you chapin okay so i am reading dune right nice. now in preparation for the movie um and it's it's really good um mm-hmm. i'm not a big sci-fi uh um reader i i i uh, one of my one of my the books i really like i don't know if you guys have read the forever war it's this really great um like vietnam allegory but uh I, i'm i'm not that far into doom but it's gotten really good and uh it's it's one of those books where um and i think it's interesting to think about horror because i've sort of like tried to get into stephen king after seeing some of his his work but like where you're it's it, there's a lot of interesting things to you read it and you're like oh i wonder how this is going to appear as a movie, you know? And um, I think sometimes you can read a book and be like, there's no way this could sort of be better than the book, but um, it's sort of like a good book, but also something that I can see being very inspirational to a filmmaker. Um, And then the second thing I want to recommend is, I don't know if you guys have the Criterion channel, but there's this film that we actually reviewed on the Get Your Film Fix podcast and was weirdly one of our like biggest, most successful podcasts of the last couple of years. Uh, it's called Come and See. It's a mm. Soviet film um, about uh, World War II and Russia's kind of rolling it. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is because it kind of is filmed like a horror movie. Um and but it's this you know real drama but uh you're you're sort of with this lead the lead actor i think it was like a 16 year old kid and you're you're he's looking into the camera i don't know it's just it's it's a movie that has like surprisingly sat with me for i think over a year i think we reviewed that quite a long time ago um and it's sort of what i recommend to people that like sound cool you know but i actually really do do like it um mm-hmm. it's it's quite an extra i don't know if either of you guys seen it but um no yeah, I actually you haven't ha- seen it, but I've I've heard fantastic things, and I obviously I listened to your guys' podcast on it, and it seems to yeah. be a movie about the horrors of war, basically. It, exactly, and and it's it, because of that, like it's a little bit more e- more easily digestible, sort of understandable than like a Tarkovsky film, which we also reviewed. Um, I like Tarkovsky's dialect Stalker, um, but it's that's a harder movie to sit through weirdly enough than this sort of movie about the horrors of World War Two. So. Mm. Um, I can, I really, and it's just like visually stunning, um, in a way that like, you're like, ah, how did they do this with like, uh, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the actual draft of our horror directors. We roll the four sided die prior to recording. Chapin will be going first. I will be going second and Nick will be going third. Nick, of course, as the commissioner, will give the final say of whether someone is or is not a horror director. And without further ado, Chapin, start us off with the number one pick. Okay, well, I am going to pick um, a rookie. He's directed two movies, which... Um, we ever land on our criteria? So, yeah, for me, at least, they have to direct at least two movies. And this man has only made two movies. And his name is Ari Aster. Now, I, I didn't, I don't think I would say I liked Hereditary, but I found it to be extremely scary. Um, but I loved Midsummer. Midsummer. I don't know how, whatever. I don't know what you guys call it over here, but uh, I loved it. It was, I think, it was my number five movie of that year. Uh, and I think he has got a uh, very 
interesting career ahead of him. Um, I know he's working with Joaquin Phoenix on some movie. I don't know if that's actually a horror movie or not, but um, you know, he landed Joaquin after the after his Oscar win, and I don't know. I'm excited to see where he goes. No, that's a great pick. I, uh, I I'm surprised uh, he went not just uh, early, but like uh, number one overall. But I appreciate that you're going with your heart here. It's what I'm intending to do in this draft as well. Is just. Uh, you know, pick who we who we like and 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 uh, go from there. And Ari Aster's phenomenal. I, I, you know, I think both of his movies are ones where uh, I thought they were really great. He did a phenomenal job. I found them uh, disturbing and uh, definitely scary at times. But they're also movies I probably will never feel like watching ever again. <laughs> mm. That's fair. I think it's a great first choice. Um, it was uh, when you prefaced it with like he's only made two movies. There's another filmmaker, who's, I think fits that bill. I guess I won't yes. say his name because and, yes. and I I was not sure which way you were going to go. I think they would have both been great choices, but excellent. And they're first they're time. compadres. Yeah. I think those two people. I'm thinking about the same same person, but yeah, yeah we okay. probably are. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I got a sense of who the other one you guys are thinking of is. <laughs> um. Well, with uh, uh, with uh, my pick here, the second pick of the first round, I, I gotta I gotta pick uh, someone near and dear to my heart. I love a ton of the movies that he has made. I haven't seen all of his horror movies, but I, I've seen most of them. Uh, I gotta go with Mr. Wes Craven. Uh, R.I.P. to the legend. Um, Scream is one of my favorite horror films, um, and I'm very excited. The uh, uh, 4K just recently came out, so I'm going to be picking that up. But just, I mean, you look at the entirety of his run from Last House on the Left to The Hills Have Eyes to Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, even some of the, like, you know, lesser ones like Shocker are still, like, fun, you know, as as kind of schlocky as they can be. And then he just, like, comes right back in in the 90s and revitalizes the the horror genre with Scream and, and directs, you know, the first four of them. You know, there's a new one coming out next year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what uh, more to say about him. I, I think he's just a phenomenal horror director, a phenomenal director in general, because he's directed stuff outside of the genre, like um, Music of the Heart and stuff. Um, but he was someone who seemed very dedicated to the horror genre which is also something i appreciate um and um i mean when you really can you... i ask you a question about yeah him? yeah so scream mm -hmm. do you give that credit more to wes craven or to kevin williamson because the reason i ask is uh i think you're totally right like whoever you give that credit to kicked off this like new wave of excitement for the genre that I, I don't think has gone away. I think it's morphed and changed, but uh, I think we're still in it in a, in a big way. Um, but I think also with Kevin Williamson, like, you know, what he did with that genre, with, with what at least where he went after that, you know, the sort of teen TV sort of fallout. Um, so, yeah, I wonder what I wonder how I wonder where you give credit. I mean, I think it's both, and, you know, to what degree, one over the other, I don't know, but I don't think that movie would have been nearly as successful without Wes Craven directing. Um, you know, people want to, like, 
talk about it like it's one of the first ever meta horror films and it's really not i mean it's not even the first meta horror film of the 90s and it's not the first meta horror film of the 90s directed by wes craven (laughs) you know he did wes craven's (laughs) new nightmare a few years before that so um which was uh, very meta as well um so i think without his like viewpoint and his style and his ability to 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 take a look at the meta aspects of it and turn it into not just a compelling horror film, but one that's critiquing the genre and looking back at the history of it. Um, you know, you can't, you know, we're, we're, you know, looking from the outside in and, and 25 years later, like who knows exactly what, uh, who had more sway, but I, I, I can't imagine that movie being anywhere near what it was without Wes Craven directing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nick, all right. Um, let's see. So there are. It's cool to follow Wes Craven because he was like I had I had two top sort of choices, and I think they were they're both they both can be described like exactly as you just described Wes Craven. Um, mm. And so the other obvious choice for me was John Carpenter, the master of horror. Um, yeah. Similar career in in that sense, um, just in terms of you know the volume of work that he's done in the genre. Um, he, you know, Wes Craven redefined the slasher movie, maybe like, you know, John Carpenter, like sort of defined it. I know Halloween is not the first slasher movie, but I think it's credited maybe like rightfully so as, as being the one that really set up the, that sort of blueprint, mm-hmm. um, the dead teen, dead teenager blueprint. Um, but he, he's done so, you know, I think he'll always be known for Halloween, um, and his scores, like he scores his own movies, which in itself is awesome. Uh, great composer but he's done so much in so many like subgenres of horror like I, I love In the Mouth of Madness I think that's a great um, sort of Lovecraftian homage um, and uh, I love even though it's a guilty pleasure I really like vampires I think it's fun um, I mean even his bad horror movies are, are, are pretty are pretty entertaining and fun um, but also he worked outside the genre I love Starman as one of my favorite movies ever Mm-hmm. I know we're not talking about non-horror movies now, but I just like he's a gifted filmmaker who just oh. happened to work in horror a lot. Absolutely. Um, and I know he's doing score. You know, he's scoring. Um, I mean, he's he's really just moved into music um, in the last you know five to ten years, which is great. I know a lot of people are really psyched about that, and it's good. But I, it's like a shame. I think his last film, The Ward, was just really bad, um, and I just hate that he's going out on that note. I really hope he comes back for like one more hurrah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really think he's just he's gonna be he's just a talent in the genre that I think is going to be with when he's when he's gone uh sorely missed yeah no i I couldn't agree more I mean he was the other it was basically between Wes and John carpenter for, for my pick there and you know again just had to go with my heart and go Wes Craven um I also a little bit too just because you know I think Wes worked in horror a bit more and more consistently um whereas I, I agree John it, Carpenter did so many things like, um, you know, close and did other genre films. In fact, probably my favorite of his films is They Live, which is more like a sci-fi kind of dystopian critique of capitalism in our capitalistic society, uh, but not horror. And um, and so that's why, you know, I, I just went with West because he was more specifically in that, that horror um, genre. And oh, I, I can't believe I didn't mention this. Our Keen State... Uh, 
alum friend, uh, Mr. Matt Bronsdorf, who appeared in Wes Craven's My Soul to Take. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, he's like a like an extra in 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 uh, a bunch of those scenes with um, those kids. So, and I think he even is like in the trailer. Like you see him he fairly is, yes. clearly in the trailer. So I, I I meant to mention that when we were talking with Craven, and I forgot. But that's uh, right. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I figured those two, Wes and John, were going to be, you know, off the board pretty pretty early. Yeah. But uh, Nick, wow, you get the back-to-back here. So now, what is your next pick? In the, I do. The first and the I'm, second round. I know. I'm, I'm unsure here because I don't know whether to go, like, contribution to horror versus, like, personal place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know. It's hard when you're drafting a team. What is your dream team? I gotta go. Oh man, I. Uh... Oh, this is tough, man. Either two really good choices. Maybe I should just go with someone else entirely. Um... <laughs> go with your heart. Oh, yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. No, go with someone else entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with. I have to go with Sam Raimi. Um, nice. I mean, I don't. You know, horror. You maybe four movies but just genre movies for sure um dark man is great but um the reason i got into film to begin with was the first evil dead movie um and just the energy he brought to to really the camera work and like how dynamic his camera is always moving and it's always in um you know it's just like there's a whole sequence in that movie in the first Evil Dead movie, and I know people love the second one, and I'll always be partial to the first. There's this one sequence at the end. I think it's the sequence actually. Um, the scene is is played in Nightmare on Elm Street when she's trying to stay awake. Um, she's watching Evil Dead on TV, and I think it's that scene. Uh, it it's precedes when all the shutters are opening and closing, which is I, I remember that shot being in Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that's just like one incredible camera shot after another. Whether it is kind of flashy and just kind of show-offy or not, it works in that film, and it totally made me think differently about how I watched movies. Um, like, he is the reason that I think I started thinking about, like, you know, who's behind the camera? Um, and what are they doing? I was like, I can vividly remember being in eighth grade, um, watching Evil Dead and, and saying, like, I, I want to do that. I've never thought about anything beyond the story of a movie before, but now I'm like looking at this and, uh, and this is what I want to be doing. So I have to give him my second choice there. Great pick. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love Sam Raimi and, and I totally agree. Like some of his films were uh, ones that made me kind of want to get into filmmaking. The, one of the reasons he, he maybe wasn't as high on my list was just that he's really only directed two horror movies evil dead and evil dead 2 um and drag me to hell actually oh yes i'm sorry you're 100 percent right drag me to hell um but i i I also don't think i have as high of a uh view of drag me to hell as many others do so no me too i'm not you know it was fun yeah yeah um so that was the only reason he wasn't as high, but I, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, his contribution to the genre and just, you know, the creativity he, he came to the craft with was, was really amazing. Chabin, you want to jump by the way, you can jump in on any of these if you want to. Oh yeah. 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 No, well, I, um, I, I have to say I'm not, um, I am not very familiar with the evil dead series. Um, I know that's breaking your heart, 
both of you probably, but um, I did want to say, uh, yeah, like the uh, in terms of John Car- John Carpenter, you stole from me, um, but like I <laughs> love. I, do you guys is is the thing is that is that a horror movie? Oh, I think it, so. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. The thing is one of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. I just watched it again and I bought the 4K restoration on on digital. Unfortunately, I know the physical big physical media. I'm looking at your. All your media behind you there. Oh, rarely, those are actually but, uh, books. It's hard to tell books. because they're behind plastic, but those are books, Ugh. yeah. I, I'm down here in my books. basement, which is like, it's down to the subfloor because we had flooding back in July and the contractor's oh, going to no. be here like week oh. after next, yeah. God. But those are just the um, bookshelves, you know. But yeah, I love the thing. I love I love John Carpenter. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. Awesome. I should say, too, while I have the chance that in a lot of ways, I think the reason that this podcast is happening is due to Sam Raimi. Because yes. hmm. um, I met Brantley at college orientation um, because he was wearing an Evil Dead hat. Mm-hmm. Went up and started oh, nice. the conversation. Yes. Um, so here we are, like 17 years later, doing Jesus. a podcast. So special mention to Sam Raimi. Yes, yeah. I can't believe I didn't think to mention that. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, and to think it's been 17 years and now kids who were born that year are now like entering college this year. Or next, oh my God. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That's... But yes, you're right. I mean, I don't know if we, I'm sure we would have come across each other in some of the film classes and For stuff, sure. but you know, that yeah. definitely bonded us and freshman year, especially when I lived on campus, you know, we hung out a bunch and stuff because of that friendship we started at orientation. Um, so yeah, that, that's excellent. Excellent point. Uh, okay. So I I guess I have the next pick here in, in round number two, the second pick. And, um, I'm going to go with George Romero for my pick here. Um, I love that original night of the living dead trilogy. Those first three films I think are all so phenomenal and you know, even that first one, 50 plus years later, is more as relevant as ever. Um, not only was it progressive for the time, but, you know, still so relevant um, today, half a century later. Um, you know, Dawn of the Dead was the one that, like, growing up, I was always like, oh, yeah, this one's the best. And Day of the Dead wasn't as high for me. But like we were talking about with Friday the 13th, as we, we rewatch some of these movies as we get older and we kind of reevaluate them. Day of the Dead has really gone up in my estimation as well as this critique of like Reaganism and the military industrial complex and everything. And it is, it is so, so great. And um, so that, that first trilogy with them, and he obviously went on to, to do um, the ones after that, but the, that first trilogy is just so solid to me. And I love them so much um, that he, he makes my list just for that. But then even outside of the the dead films, you know, he did Martin and he did in 73 alone, he did Season of the Witch, which is this feminist horror movie. And then the crazies in the exact same year, uh, just like two like knock them out of the ballpark um, horror movies that were are, are both awesome. So I, I got to pick George Romero uh, as my second pick in this draft. Great choice. Yes, he's on my list as well. Nice. I actually don't think I've ever seen Season of the Witch. I think I saw Monkey Shines. I probably should have seen Season of the Witch instead. Monkey Shines is fun too, but yeah, yeah. And I, I and um, 
honestly, I that's another one that I hadn't seen for in, except uh, the past couple of years was the first time I'd watched it. I didn't watch it, um, you know, back when I was younger either, and, and more in, uh, you know, devouring horror. Um, but it's it's really good. I think you did. It's definitely a, a bit slower um, than some of his others, but it's it's really good. I think you'd enjoy it. Nice, nice. Okay, um, for my second pick, I'm gonna go with Toby Hooper. Nice. Um, so yeah, like he, I guess right. I mean, he's directed a lot of horror movies, not ones that have been remarkable. But I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just like, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what where that stands with you guys. I feel I don't know. Um, but it's, I just remember seeing that and the camera work in that film, especially just like the sort of. I think it was sixteen, right? Sixteen millimeter. They shot that on. Yeah, and, I think uh, so. Yeah. It's just, I remember, I remember seeing. I follow a bunch of accounts on on Instagram that kind of like break down movie stuff, and and there was like a they were talking about a lens that like a really really long lens they used to sort of compress uh, as Leatherface is chasing one of the, one of the girls, <laughs> and it's just like it's just it's clear clearly like a terrifying moment that they've created with like what I love you know film and lenses and, and finding ways to do that in like cheap ways and I don't know to me that's like the seminal horror movie it's still scary to this day it's I, I think there it's got so many it's it's super influential I know he didn't I know he kind of directed the Poltergeist movie but maybe Spielberg directed it and I, I don't know if I've seen that it has it's been so long I, I can't remember it but uh he gets credit for that first movie yeah I mean the Poltergeist the poltergeist one is it's sort of up for debate some people will say spielberg really did others will be like i was on that set every day toby hooper directed that like you know so there's there's kind of differing viewpoints on that depending on who you're listening to um but i'll be honest too like i i I like the original chainsaw i think it's really good i also really like the sequel that he did texas chainsaw Massacre too more so than any of the other um texas chainsaw movies that come after including like the remakes and stuff that have been more recent um, it definitely goes like one and two for me in order in that franchise. And I think the second one's um, pretty darn good. And and honestly, if you haven't seen Funhouse, I know you're not into horror, but Funhouse is a fun horror movie. It's you know, right. it's, it's pretty good too. What about you, uh, cool. Nick? Yeah, I never actually saw it. I haven't seen Funhouse. Texas Chainsaw is, I think, to non-horror fans, um, in unfortunately named movie because it's really not violent. There's almost no on-screen violence. It's it's mm. actually more psychological than anything else, and it's very disturbing. I mean, that movie is a disturbing movie. And it's also funny. Like the, I think he was trying to, you know, he went all comedy with two, kind of. Um, but, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I know he was also doing some sort of satire. And, and I love Poltergeist, too. Yeah, yeah, Poltergeist is great. Uh... So Chapin, you have the back-to-back here. You get to pick again. Oh, I do. Hmm. I think I should think about this in a smart way. Hmm. Hey, if there's anything I've learned from this being just our third episode, I know we're new, is to go with your heart. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with my heart, and I'm gonna say M Night Shyamalan, which I know is like the hmm. predictable or pretentious, possibly pick. Um. I think Lee might have told you guys that like uh, we'll I, I stand for Shyamalan. Um, you know I forgive those some of his more awful 
old movies, but I mean, I think The Sixth Sense is seminal in terms of horror. I mean, that movie just made so much money and scared the shit out of everybody. And the 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 twist being a horror twist. I mean, like that. I don't. Do you guys remember that summer of '99? Like everybody was talking about that, and oh, yeah. and um, I don't know. Is Signs a horror movie? Is is I don't. I don't know, but, um, you know, maybe you guys don't think he's a horror director, but at least there's at least two in there. And I think old for sure is a, is a, is a horror movie. Not, not one that I loved, but, um, yeah, I, I think I love Shyamalan. It's a guilty pleasure. He's a guilty pleasure for me, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. So you guys should use this time to roast me for that choice if you want. Or does that come no. later? What does that come? No, no, no roasting. Hey, yeah, remember, we're the kind horror podcast. Like, <laughs> oh, that, like that wonderful yeah. message we got said. And, you yeah. know, I, well, the other thing I want to say is that just, like, I actually really, if there's two things I want us to be thought of, it's, you know, accessible and kind. <laughs> so, okay. I mean. Well, that's, that's the opposite of ours. So I guess, yeah, that's good. That's good. We're um, mean and inaccessible. <laughs> But no, no, I think that's great. I mean, look, you know, I think, you know, The Sixth Sense and Old are two definitive, and, and um, The Visit, I actually right. would, I would argue is definitively a horror film. And and cool. uh, I thought that one was really, really good, actually, kind of, you know, setting up the, um, you know, resurgence of Shyamalan after those rough films uh, in the middle there. Uh, and I think Split, Split definitely falls into horror as well. You know, I, I definitively a, a horror director in my mind. But then again, I'm not the commissioner. Mr. Nicholas Schwartz is the commissioner. Oh, I don't even need to. Absolutely, he counts. I mean, he's and and he also gets a bad rap. I mean, really bad rap. I'm not. He's like any filmmaker has had some misfires, I think. But. Um, like he's unquestionably a, a gifted filmmaker, and he he's also a good writer. I mean, he he like he can make mistakes, but he's written some really good stuff. Sixth Sense is of course like a masterwork. I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just like. And also, I think I was living in Philly for a couple of years right after college, and I, I just remember like the reverence they have for him there as like a Pennsylvania-based filmmaker, just because of how you know he he brings so much like to the economy he like insists on shooting a lot of his movies there he hires like local crew and stuff and mm-hmm. like you know it's not just about the movies i mean it is i mean we're we're a horror podcast about horror films but i think we're talking about the directors here and like just i think you have to take all of that into account um it's unfortunate that his name became like a logo and that he became sort of like the punchline of a bunch of jokes but um, he's unquestionably a gifted filmmaker, and he's definitely worked in the horror genre quite a bit. So, yeah. I think it's a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's he, that name is getting a, a bit more shine to it now too. In the past, you know, half decade or more, you know. So I yeah. think definitely a a, a, a good pick. Uh, all right. So I have the second pick of the third round here, and I am going to take. David Cronenberg oh, was my pick. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah, what no, no, it's a great, great. I'm glad that you picked it. You know, one it's, less thing I have to worry about. It's interesting. You know, the, this is the third episode, and in the first episode, I had a pretty good sense of where most of the Friday films were going to land. I thought I had a sense in you know last episode where people were going to be, and this one I really have no idea where people are thinking in terms of directors. So. 
Um, I just figured I'm just going to go with the ones I want, you know? So, but yeah, sorry. Sorry, Brantley. I, I am a fan of Cronenberg's kind of like later work. Um, mm-hmm. I love Eastern Promises. History oh, yeah. of Violence is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Dangerous Method. What is what if I had if I had to you had to tell the audience to watch one Cronenberg horror film? What would it be? I mean, it's the for me, it's The Fly. Okay, you know, I mean, unquestionably uh, yeah. The Fly. Cronenberg is sort of the king of the body horror genre, right. subgenre of horror, and if there's one of his films, I mean, obviously Videodrome is up there too, and and Scanners to a degree. Um, I don't think Scanners is nearly as good of a film as Videodrome or The Fly, and I think The Fly is like the peak of his body horror essence, essentially. Um, so yeah, I would say The Fly, definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, and then of course, even before those, though, he had great ones like Shivers and Rabbit and things like that. And he also worked in you know horror TV. So I, you know, this is horror directors, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want us to be so limited to only be thinking of um you know film you know like he went he directed on like the friday the 13th tv series and stuff you know so he's worked in uh horror tv as well uh but yeah david cronenberg for me number my uh third round pick he's not just a director like you said i mean he's in jason x i think yes an actor (laughs) yes he's an actor in jason x and this movie resurrection which i actually just got on blu-ray today i'm super psyched to watch again he's got a part in that I didn't realize that. I saw. Yeah, he's just got like a sort of cameo. Um, I forget. Uh, well, I can never think of the guy's name. Russell McCullough. McCullough. I forget how. Guy who did Highlander. I'm. I'm sure I'm butchering oh. his name, but he directed okay. it. Um, but yeah, David Cronenberg's got a part in it. Um, yeah, no, I could I? He was definitely on my list. The Fly is, I think, a masterwork. Like I like his body horror movies. Um, all right. Um, like rabid i i have rabid i've watched it a couple times it's not my favorite mm-hmm. um videodrome is great but it didn't do much for me beyond the first viewing like there's something about his body horror movies that i find almost boring um oh wow like i did not like <laughs> existence at all which i know is not really a body horror movie but it's got elements of that for sure mm-hmm. um i love eastern promises for sure it was great history of Promises is great but the fly i think just is like it's so lean and economical it's like 96 minutes or something like that and mm, great it. performances great special effects it's really just like a one location movie more or less and it's just yeah. it does so much with it um and uh yeah it's a great movie i have a little bit of a beef against cronenberg now uh-oh <laughs> um yeah um oh incidentally before i get into that though i his his son is now also gifted yes. horror director Yes, Possessor um, was awesome. That's the only one of his movies I've seen. Has he has he done something before that? Yeah, I didn't actually didn't see Possessor, but I've heard it's in, like really great, and I want to see it. I saw his first movie is Antiviral, which I also really liked. Oh, um, okay. And uh, we saw a screening of that actually in New York, and and he was there and and spoke a little bit about it. And he's a super interesting guy. Um, nice. You can imagine like growing up in the shadow of his father and stuff, but like he's like. You know, he did, like, Antiviral is kind of a body horror movie in some ways, and so I was like, okay, his debut movie is the same as his father. What's he doing? He's just walking in his father's footsteps. Like, his, But it's a, he's, he's definitely talented, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yes, my beef with David, um, <laughs> he... Uh, he does not like The Shining, and he... His... his <laughs> He's quoted. He's been quoted speaking about it, saying like, "I don't think Stanley Kubrick understands horror," and I think that um, 
it's maybe that may be true or i think maybe he understands it better than anyone i don't that's a whole other conversation or a whole other period of time but i think what's interesting is david cronenberg is a guy who has worked in this genre you know more or less his whole life mm-hmm. um and kubrick is someone who worked in that genre once and i think made one of the at least what's now considered one of like the all-time great horror films so like i to say he doesn't yeah. understand horror i've got uh, I mean, that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> and he said it right around the time he made that movie, Maps to the Stars, which I think is garbage. Absolutely oh, okay. terrible. One of the ugliest <laughs> movies I've ever seen. Um, I just, I hated it. I'm sorry. but No, no, that's fine. But I love, I love Cronenberg's films, and I think he obviously deserves to be on here. He was on my list. I'm glad you took him, because now I, I have some easier decision-making ahead of me. Oh, okay. All right. I thought maybe he'd be lower on your. Now that I know you had a beef, I didn't know if he was like <laughs> no. off your list or. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Or anything. No, all right. I respect him. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, Nick, you are up with back-to-back picks. You have the last pick of the third, and then the first pick of the fourth round. Yeah. Okay. So I want, like, I so badly want to like have a balanced team and like uh, you know pick, like. James Whale or someone who did like you know classic mm. Universal monsters or like you know some international filmmakers and I have one on my list I'm not sure if I'll get to him but again going with my heart I'm picking Mike Flanagan. Nice. Mm. I mean we yeah. talked about him earlier. Um, mm-hmm. He's just he and James Wan are the kings of horror right now. Um, yeah. Mike Flanagan. I, I remember seeing Absentia when it first came out and thinking like this is pretty good like this guy. Um, and I think that was like partially funded on Kickstarter, so like you know he he to to have gone from that to where he is now like so quickly is is incredible. And I think he's he's pretty much exclusively worked in the horror genre, which is cool, and continues to bring like new things to the table. Like he's not rehashing the same subject matter. He's not just working in film. He's like you know to direct write and direct an entire miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. Like every episode is pretty cool. Like most of the people on this list can't say that. Um, and uh you know he's 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 adapted Stephen King several times and Stephen King loves him and thinks he's you know so I mean that alone that's about as high praise as you can get in the horror genre right now so he's great and I I can't wait to see what he does next I think he's just there's not much more to say about him except for that like he's pretty much on fire he hasn't made a single bad movie um yeah and his well I have a question for you Nick then shoot yeah absolutely. what are your thoughts the doctor sleep oh boy (laughs) I I, or does that need to be another podcast? <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. No, I, 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 uh, I really like Doctor Sleep. So, my God, I'm sorry. I'm gonna no, just go go for it. Yeah, I'm gonna talk so much. So here's the thing about The Shining is that I saw the film first and then read the novel after, and wound up loving both of them. I obviously love the film to like a whole different degree, um, but. Every person that I've ever spoken to or, like, read about who has done it in the opposite order cannot stand the film. Loves the novel. Um, Obviously, Stephen King feels the same way. Um, But I loved both. And so when the novel Doctor Sleep came out, I was so excited. I'd been looking forward to it for years. I bought it the day it came out. Loved every page of it. Um, Couldn't wait for the movie adaptation to come out was really excited when they announced that Mike Flanagan was doing it. Um, And so I went to the theater half wanting to see a good adaptation of this novel that I love so much. 
and also half like kind of nervous slash excited about how it was gonna fare as a sequel to like my favorite movie of all time mm-hmm. um and like i truly think that i was watching it with like one eye um viewing it in each way that first time and so i was very torn leaving the theater the first time i was very like i honestly was really upset <laughs> i went home and i couldn't go to sleep and i was like writing about it because i was so like torn about what they'd done to the shining but also really excited about what he did as like what he changed about the novel and what i thought he was successful in changing about the novel and how he was really creative and did a great job of like marrying the original novel and the original movie and the discrepancies between the two and then kind of like funneling it into this movie like I, my mind was all over the place so I went back to see it um, a few days later with a friend and uh, all of those like sort of preconceptions behind me and just absolutely loved it just as of the film I think it's great um, as a sequel to The Shining the movie not so hot I'm, I'm not crazy about it in that respect but I think it is a great horror movie and it's completely surprising I mean if you, do, if you haven't read the novel and you're going in expecting a sequel to shining you're going to be very surprised to find you know what you find i mean it's just very different in so many ways which turned a lot of people off but um i think that's cool again it's not like he didn't just tell another haunted house story in the same location this is i shouldn't be saying he i mean stephen king was the one who really didn't tell that same story twice but um what he did with the film i think again in terms of marrying two different visions from a filmmaker and an author who butted heads quite a bit I think over the years I think he kind of like I mean Stephen King himself has said that uh he had like a newfound respect for what Stanley Kubrick did after he saw Dr. Sleep um so I think that says a lot in itself yeah that says everything so I feel terrible I'm the reason these podcasts are so long aren't I no 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 absolutely not no, I think this is great insight, and look, if there's one thing you are an expert on, it is The Shining, so we should take advantage of that and let you talk about, you know, something you were so passionate and so knowledgeable of. Oh, thank you. I am. Yeah. And what about you, Chape? I mean, did you see Dr. Sleep? I did. I saw the, I watched the director's cut on HBO Max, and I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I did not uh-huh. like it. Um, I, I do have to confess, and maybe this will be inspiration, and maybe I'll get myself invited on to the shining podcast when whenever you have it um, you're already invited <laughs> you uh, created is, it i don't think it's scary so i actually think that eyes wide shut is scary or than the shining but i love the shining like and to be honest i think it was a great lesson for me as a young film fan slash budding filmmaker to understand that like I went to go see I went to see The Shining thinking it was going to scare the shit out of me and then when it didn't I was disappointed and then after revisiting it many many times fell in love with it all over again for all different reasons but um so maybe that controversial point of view will get me will get me will will make you guys want to hear my more thoughts on it but I, I I do I do think it's an extraordinary film I just don't think it's scary and um so in you know, in my perspective, like Kubrick's on a whole nother level in that movie, and you know, like Doctor Sleep. I know that's not a, to what you said, Nick. Like it's it's a it's a a sequel to a it's a it's an adaptation of a book that's a sequel to a to 
another book that was adapted to, you know, it's like, there's all these different, and it's, it's combining those two things. Like your experience was sort of what he was going for. Am I, am I wrong? Right. And saying that like it, it, it incorporates like elements of the movie, but also elements of the book and it kind of restores elements of the original shining book as I understand it. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. I mean, the movie and the original book had like pretty different endings that like did not really mesh when you were trying to make a sequel. Um, so obviously Stephen King's novel sequel followed perfectly in, right. you know, but then like, how do you make an adaptation slash sequel to the movie? I mean, they could have easily just also just had him adapt the novel and pretended Kubrick's film didn't exist and, you know, not recreate the sets and not recreate some of the characters and like just pretend the shining never happened. And, um, and I think obviously you'd have a very different film. Um, and I would have none of those preconceptions going into it, but yeah, he had to, and I think it was also like, it was like, okay, can I build a bridge with like some of those fans of the novel who hated the movie? Um, can I get them back into the theater? But, you know, what about the people who really did love that movie? Like, how can I get them to, you know, like if I set part of the movie in whatever, no spoilers, but yeah, that, that he, he, I think he was trying to marry a bunch of audiences who were already had like opposing viewpoints. So that was tough. So maybe if I saw the non-director's cut, it would have, maybe I would have liked it more, but you know, Maybe I need to see it again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I love The Shining, but just for, for totally different reasons. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, I actually only saw the director's cut once. I should revisit it. But, um, yeah, the director's cut was a, a lot closer to the book in some respects. Nice. Uh, all right. Yeah, so you're I have to again do... here, Nick. I know, and I'm going to, oh, man. Uh, what is this? Pick four? Yeah, well, this is yeah your fourth round pick. The first pick of the fourth round. All right, I have one, two, I have three filmmakers I would really like to choose and only two slots, and one of you guys might even pick one of them. Um, I will go with Mick Garris. Nice. Um, again, not so much because like I, I, I really like him, and I like his movies. Um but there's none of his movies for me that really stand out as and I'm sorry Mick cuz he he has a great podcast too um yeah so if you ever listen to this um he I also I I met him a while back at a film festival talked to him for a while he is the nicest guy in the world the most yeah. humble person you will ever meet he's incredible he will talk to you and like listen to you and he's just he's I cannot say enough about him as a person um mm-hmm from what I understand, um, you know, but he's, he's in terms of the horror genre, he's an author, he's a filmmaker, he's worked in TV, he's worked, um, obviously in film, he's been behind the camera, he's, you know, been in, like, he worked on Star Wars, um, he's been, he's done everything, um, but I don't, I cannot think of another person, um, maybe Wes Craven included, who just, like, has more horror credits to his name, than Mick Garris and has done more, you know, even beyond like his own films, like producing Masters of Horror and Nightmare Cinema and Fear Itself, these these series of these anthologies where he brings together all these other filmmakers. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've talked about Toby Hooper already and John Carpenter and like those two people were both in Masters of Horror, like each had a film. They were brought together because Mick Garris had this vision of like horror all-stars basically. And um, yeah. And uh, so, just for his contributions to the genre alone, he definitely deserves a spot. Um, 
and I think he's also the most prolific adapter of Stephen King. So if you're a Stephen King fan, I'm sure you know Mick Garris yeah, at this he, point. He directed the the miniseries of The Shining, right? He did. He did the miniseries of The Shining. He did The Stand. What are your thoughts on that, Nick? Uh, I have it. I, I like it. Again, I think I read the novel, and then I was like, I have to watch the miniseries now. Um, yeah. Similar experience to Dr. Sleep, because I was watching it like, okay, how does this stack up against the movie, but also right. how is it as an adaptation of the novel? Um, great adaptation of the novel for the most part. Um, cool. Has some cheesy... Have you seen it? No, but I, I, I got really into... After we did our Shining podcast... I got into like co- like YouTube comparison videos of the two, and I was like fascinated by the fact that he he filmed they filmed it in the the hotel that w- inspired the movie, right? Like the um, it's in Colorado, right? Like, uh, or I'm sorry, inspired the book. Inspired um, the book, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, not exactly the same, <laughs> no thing, but um, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'd like to. I'd like to see it. Yeah, um, I recommend seeing it. You know, oh, have you read the novel? No, I'd also like to read the novel, too. Um, okay. I would... That's interesting. I'd actually be curious what you thought if you saw it blind without having read the novel. Okay, um, well, maybe I'll do that. I'll do yeah, that. please let me know. That's an experience I kind of wish I had. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen the Shining miniseries either they did, but my favorite um, Stephen King adaptation maybe ever is the the stand miniseries that he directed um, oh, really? all four episodes of yeah and i really like it. i think it's i think it still holds up pretty well uh i think it was pretty damn amazing that they put it out on uh blu-ray um because i you know they they shot it obviously on film back then um chapin but then you know it got put down to sd to be put out and it was edited in you know sd like tape basically i think oh. um and so in order to put it out on, you know, Blu-ray, they would literally have to go back to the original film, rescan it, and essentially kind of re-edit it from yeah. scratch. And yet, I think I think that's what they did. If I'm, Do you have more insight on that, Nick? Am I misremembering that? I don't, but that sounds right. I was following him on Instagram, and around that time, he was talking a lot about the Blu-ray, like the process of, yeah. of like actually making that happen. And yeah. it sounded very involved, yeah. Yeah, and I think listening to him on his podcast during that time, too, he was saying how surprised he was that they were going to put in that much effort to release it on Blu-ray. And, yeah. um, and it's great. I think it, it still holds up. I think it's really good. I think the problem with that miniseries, as with the book, is just that the ending is very much a Dusex machina sort of like... You know, I don't want to spoil anything, you know. I mean, granted, I think we should... I probably should have put a spoiler warning at the beginning of every episode that we're going to talk about movies and maybe spoil them and stuff. But uh, that's that's the only, only gripe with just the ending of that story in general. But that's not Mick's fault. He's, he's being, you know... He's following, you know, the book. So And Stephen King is pretty infamous for his... I, people say he has an inability to end yes. even his best stories. Um, exactly. I don't know if I agree with that, but that... I haven't seen the stands and I haven't read the book, so I'll, I'll take your word for it though, because that sounds about right. Gotcha. Uh, all right, so I'm up next. Um, I am. I'm sort of between two, and I'm worried that if I don't take one, he's not going to come around again. So, um, I'm going to take Jordan Peele here 
in the fourth round. Um, maybe that's a reach. Maybe you guys didn't even have him on your list because he's really only directed two horror movies so far. That's who I but... thought Chapin was talking about in the beginning. Oh, oh. at the very beginning. Oh, interesting. Oh, nope. Yeah. Nope. I thought he was talking about somebody else, so I'll keep my mouth shut just oh. in case uh, <laughs> that person comes up. Um, yeah, Get Out is one of my favorite movies of all of twenty the twenty tens. Um, I think it's phenomenal, very deserving of its nominations and its win for screenplay. Um, I, we talked about it in Prestige Horror. I don't think I have a ton more to say. Us, I wasn't as big of a fan of, but you know, I think he's gonna continue working in the f- genre and is gonna continue making fantastic films. So um, I, I have to pick Jordan Peele just for um, Get Out alone. And maybe I reached because maybe you guys didn't have him on your list, but I'm, I'm drafting with my heart here. So, no, I mean it's. It, I think it's a good pick, Brantley. I, 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 I also didn't like. I, I really, really didn't like us. Um, and uh, but I, I love Get Out, and it's, it's just, it's, um, to me that's like a transcendent film. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 sort of takes the genre and kind of like shows you a new way to do it, which I think is like always a, a nice, always like a, a, a mark of a great director. And I think us was like kind of a pretentious follow up, like the, the second album kind of curse. And hopefully I think he's got Nope coming out, um, mm-hmm. which just, I mean, I have no idea what it's about, but it looks, uh, it's got Daniel Kaluuya who I'll, I mean, I'll see anything that he's in. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously got a a lot of talent, a tremendous amount of talent, and and hopefully we'll get another great film out of him. Yeah, no, he he, I yeah, I thought he'd be picked earlier, actually, Brantley. So, I don't oh, think it's right. a reach at all. Um, okay. Yeah, no, Get Out's like, Get Out is one of the most confident like debuts I think I could think of. It's just. Yeah he's so sure of himself he obviously knows the genre so well um you know he plays with expectations he does it's i loved get out i have not seen us because i gotta be honest i was very turned off by the marketing materials um because i loved get out but i could not stand uh it was all over the new york subways like these humongous posters like the master horror filmmaker behind get out or like the visionary director of and I was like, okay, I can't, you know, he he made his he is one for one for sure, great movie, but I can't call him that yet because he is, I you know, I I want to see if he's consistent. And honestly, it turned me off from seeing the movie, and I kind of regret it because I, I I wish I could talk about it with you guys because everyone oh. I've talked to has said they were disappointed by us, but I really want to see it. It's definitely a, a disappointing, um, but I will say I was really on board with it for the first two-thirds to three-quarters. I think it really more just falls apart at the end, but yeah, the atmosphere and the tension of it, it, it's all there in the in the the first, you know, uh, two-thirds, three-quarters there. Um, so that that's my biggest gripe and disappointment with it is just, you know, the ending. Because then when you find out then, then it just makes you think about everything else and you're just like, well, wait, how does, you know, that sort of thing. So it just makes you kind of pull at the threads of the film a little bit, um, how they, how they finish it up. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. That's my fourth round pick. And that means that, uh, Chapin, you have your final two picks here. The last pick of the fourth round and the first pick of the fifth round. Oh, Jesus. 
<sighs> okay. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Eli Roth oh, as my number four. Uh, I, I, I was sort of... Um, you guys talked about the Saw movies on the last podcast, or Saw. I The Hostel movies were like Saw for me. Mm. Um, I didn't like Saw, um, and so I, I don't even know if I saw another one of them. But but I, I just, like, something about the way those Hostel movies were made just <laughs> worked for me. Um, wow. I mean, they're funny, you know, but they're, like, horrifying. And I know they're, they're torture porn, Brantley, and that's not, I don't know. I know you've got strong opinions on that, but... Um, I, I also really like, I think I saw cabin, it's not cabin in the woods, um, cabin fever, um, cabin fever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like, um, <laughs> nation's pride from, from, uh, from, um, glorious bastards. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just, I think he's a really, I, I don't know. I haven't really kept up with his stuff since then, but I, I thought the hostile movies were just like so fucked up and good and, and crazy and weird. And, um, you know, he made a name for himself. So, uh, yeah, for those two films alone, he's on my list. Wow, I'm surprised. I I would not have pegged you for a fan of of Hostel. I, I would have thought you thought it's too gory, too gross, too too all that. You know? No, no. I mean, you know, like he he, he did for Eastern Europe what Steven Spielberg did for <laughs> the oceans, water. Yeah. <laughs> So that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would have been more Croatia to see hostile if that was the pull quote place. on the poster. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I mean, I don't know where that. Where does that? Where does he stand for you guys? For the for for two horror connoisseurs like yourselves. Um, you know what? I I really liked Cabin Fever, and that also like hit right. You know, in my you know later teens. You know, when I was really into horror i was literally going to horror conventions and meeting wow. some of these people i met wes craven at a horror convention he same he signed a red eye poster nice. um yeah which i actually gifted to uh my wife because she uh was actually that was probably her favorite wes craven <laughs> she's not a big horror fan so but she really yeah, liked red eye giving um, a I, gift to you someone you live with i mean you that, that, especially a poster that's just yeah. like giving yourself a gift. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly but you know and i got to meet you know you, you got to meet robert england and you know all these other big names in in horror and i'm actually really glad that i did that when i was younger because now so many of them that i've met have died i mean angus Grimm, who i have a photo with and I have an autograph of has passed away and Betsy Palmer, you know, has passed away, you know? So I, I was actually really happy to, to get a chance to go do that. And, um, uh, anyway, so, so that was hitting right around that time, uh, where I was just really into horror. And, and so I, I definitely really liked cabin fever when it came out and I liked hostile more probably when it first came out. And since then, you know, most of the things within the torture porn genre haven't been as, you know, haven't sat well as as well with me um but i i will say about eli roth is i really appreciate his love for the genre even when Mm. he's not directing horror films you know he's making the history of horror uh documentary series and the podcast um that they do uh which looks back at you know the genre through the years so um i really respect him for for that and for his love of um the genre nick no comment Oh, um, no, 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 it's, it's not that bad. No, no, no. Um, I loved Cabin Fever. 
um, when it first came yeah. out. I like leading up to that movie, um, reading interviews with him, like where the idea of that movie came from, which apparently he basically suffered from essentially exactly what they're suffering from in the I mean obviously it's an exaggerated version but like you know a flesh-eating sort of thing that he caught on yeah and so that's what and so I was like oh that sounds pretty horrifying I I kind of and you know and I I heard at the time it was getting comparisons to like those old 70s like you know I mean Evil Dead um big simply I think because it's a cabin in the woods but I did read Mm -hmm. Evil Dead a lot um and like older 70s uh genre movies um, and a bit Cronenberg too, with the body horror aspect. Yeah, of it. actually, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that, and I don't remember reading that comparison, but absolutely, probably more so than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I loved I I loved it. I saw it a couple times um, in theaters, and and was so excited for Hostel. Um, and I think honestly, it's not fair of me to to judge anything beyond Saw because I think. Um, I liked Saw a lot, but it's the only, again, torture porn movie that I think I will ever like because that genre, that subgenre sort of like, once I saw one, it was, you know, I felt like I'd seen, seen them all. I didn't think there was anything like the premise of those movies for me is just like how uncomfortable and squeamish can we make you? But I've been watching horror my whole life and like, if I was a casual fan, this sounds like so elitist as a horror fan, but like I've just I've like I've chased after a bunch of movies that I think I knew were going to disturb me, um, mm. because I think that's part of the appeal of horror, to be honest. So like those movies didn't really shock me, and so beyond that, I just felt like it was violence for violence's sake. Which um, anyway, sure. I, and I, I understand that about the genre generally. Um, I think what I liked about the premise of Hostel was that, like, unlike Saw, where the, like, you know, Jigsaw is this is this sort of crazy one-off person who I'm sure has some philosophical reasons for doing what he does, but Hostel sort of, in a tongue, tongue-in-cheek way, you know, is, is sort of poking fun slash criticizing, you know, essentially, like, wealthy white men. Right, like these these guys who can't seem to get who who can only get their kicks by paying money to torture young women <laughs> tourists, you know. Um, and there was something funny and sort of poignant about that to me. Um, he might have stumbled on that because I don't think his the rest of his work is that sophisticated. But I, I haven't seen the Green Inferno. I have watched clips of it, but there might be a little of that in there too. Um, I actually haven't seen that either. So, I, I have not either. I, I actually think that's a really good point. I haven't. Like I would view Hostel again these days. Like I think, and and maybe have a, a fresh appreciation for it, having just heard you say that. Because I think, um, it, it, in some ways, I think it does a disservice to itself with like some of the torture porn like tendencies. Because what you just said is like totally valid and absolutely true. And he also kind of maybe shoots himself in the foot with like maybe too much comedy leading up to it. Although I appreciated that. To like they there was some character stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, before like you know all the killing started, I didn't happen to like any of the characters, and and that was maybe part of the problem. But, right. um, but to your point, um, I think if I viewed it again, one of the most disturbing and horrific parts of that movie is like the idea that like, you know, if it was legal, like, is this human nature? 
Like, right, right. Would, that's a really horrifying thought. <laughs> right. And I think there's also something there a little unexplored with like the naivete of, you know, sort of young, maybe a little bit wealthy tourists going to these places and thinking that they can run around and be crazy. They're invincible. And, yeah. Which, and like, it, I mean, I'm sure the States is much more dangerous for for people than <laughs> Croatia or wherever the hell they were. But, um, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, so I'm debating whether to... I'm going to go, because we've discussed it, with my second, the person I was comparing um, Ari Aster to, and that's Robert Eggers. Was that who you were thinking that, I was? That's who I thought. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's great um, choice. So New Hampshire's own. <laughs> the, the, is it the witch or is it the witch? Um, I think it's just witch. I think it's the witch. The Vavitch. Oh, really? Uh-oh. No. <laughs> right. But um, I like that movie a lot. It's creepy and definitely a horror movie, right? Um, yeah. Uh, some, I want to see it again. I, I loved The Lighthouse. I don't know why. I watched it on the Stairmaster. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say on my, on my phone, trying to squeeze in research for the fixies. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, 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 oh. Like, I could not take my eyes off that movie. And I think it is a horror movie. I think it really is. I mean, it's a sophisticated horror movie, but it is a horror movie. And there is a lot. I mean, Nick, I don't have you seen that? Have you seen The Lighthouse? I actually have not, but I love The Witch. I think there's a lot of Kubrick in there in a weird way. Like, there's uh, there's some, like, 2001 stuff at the end. Um, I won't give it too much of it away, but, like, fuck. I, I don't know what that movie... I, I mean, I just love that movie. I don't know even know why. I don't even know why. Um, beautifully, beautifully shot, but, like, creepy, scary, weird. Um, and I he's got another movie called, coming out. I forget what it's called, but um, looks great. I don't think it's quite a horror film, but, uh, yeah. it. I, I, I hope these guys, like, I, I feel like... And Brantley... What podcast was it when you and I and Lee and Jeremy were arguing about prestige horror? I forget which one we had you on uh, for that, but I think it was just to have me on to talk about horror in general. I think okay. I responded to some some comments Lee had made, yeah, about Typical. horror in general. Typical. Yeah, and I was like, "You guys got to have me on so I can like <laughs> refute some of these points." So I I, I think I like so, sort of simultaneously agreed with you, and also I think. I put up a, I, I put up a little bit of a, of a resistance to like this idea of genre and you know ca- you know putting a little bit too much stock in what we call these things but mm. I and and I stand by that but I do I don't want these guys Eggers Aster to like move too far away from their roots because like they are feeling as if you know they need to be more prestigious I mean like these movies are great and they're great. Like, like I said, like Midsommar was in my top five of that year, which was a very good year. And, um, the, I think the lighthouse also was that year too. And it was in my top 10. Um, and, and I, I think, uh, I, I don't want these guys to like stray too far away from it. Cause they're so good at it. And they, these are the guys who are going to define what the genre is. And maybe it's prestige horror or whatever. I don't know. I don't. I, I. I don't really care to define it like that. But I want them to make scary movies. Is what I'm saying. Scary and yeah. disturbing movie. Gotcha. Yeah. No. And I. I'm. Uh, I'm with you there. I hope they don't really stray from it. And I. I worry that they might. So we'll see. Oh, that's it. That's five. Christ. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. 
So let's see. Uh, oh, I guess I'm up. Um, I don't know why for a second I was thinking you were, Nick. So I am going to round out my draft with Mr. Joe Dante. Ah, nice. Uh, nice pick. Yeah. Who directed, of course, uh, Piranha, but most people probably know him more from The Howling or obviously some of the other stuff he did later, like Gremlins, which not like a horror movie but sort of like a, a kid horror movie or a, you know horror comedy at least uh but i mean piranha and the howling i think made him fit my criteria for two specifically horror films and of course i love the burbs the burbs is just so fantastic um i think that's far more comedy than horror comedy but there's certainly elements uh, of, of horror in that um so i you know th- those are those are just some of the classics of um, film that he has made that puts him on my list. And then, of course, you know, being a part of like Masters of Horror, other like TV stuff as well, even even branching out outside of um, film. But yeah, that there, th- Joe Dante was the one I was worried when I picked Jordan Peele. I might not, he might not still be on the board. So I'm happy I was able to round uh, back in the fifth and get him. Yeah, he was on my tentative list. I think that's fantastic choice. Um, I actually didn't expect him to be picked, so that's that's. I'm pleasantly surprised that he got chosen. Well, going with my heart here, Nick. You know, there's certainly other people who've worked more specifically in the horror genre, but I had to. I had to take Dante. Yeah, no, it's awesome pick. Um, I can't believe this is five already. Um, I will round out my team with. Man, okay, I gotta pick James Wan. Um, mm. I do it <clears throat> with the understanding that like everyone that I've picked is like either currently working or like still alive and very much like, <laughs> and, which is I feel in some ways bad about. But I I, I will say this about James Wan and um, and Mike Flanagan um, and the current crop of of kind of horror filmmakers. I think that there's like sort of two breeds of horror filmmaker right now, um, Ari Aster, uh, or Ari Aster and, and Robert Eggers, um, and I, I can't think of her name, but um, like Baba Duke, um, Jennifer Kent. Thank you. Yeah, um, they're making sort of, for lack of a better term, I don't like highbrow, sophisticated prestige horror. Um, mm-hmm. They're critical darlings. I, I love their films. Uh, like I said on the last podcast, Hereditary is like one of my favorite films last I don't know five or ten years horror wise um, definitely one of the scariest um, uh, it's I think it's I think it's brilliant um, and then so that, there's that one camp of horror filmmaker now um, and then uh, I think we've now moved beyond like the splat pack as they were called Eli Roth was one of them James Wan <laughs> was in the splat pack too because of saw but he has clearly moved beyond that and i think he and he and mike flanagan are sort of the other camp of horror filmmaker right now who are just making also critically you know acclaimed or sort of you know like well-regarded movies not well-regarded in the same way that like hereditary is considered like a great movie but they're mm-hmm. making what are like routinely being received as great horror films and and they're they're back to like sort of basics of horror and they're you know we're past the dead teenager sort of revival that scream brought about um Mm -hmm. and back into like you know good original horror ideas um you know saw was 
good and I saw saw and I enjoyed the hell out of it as like again the twist ending and everything I was kind of was like leaving the theater I was like that was awesome I didn't expect that I, I want to see this again but I didn't leave the theater thinking like this guy is gonna be huge um I didn't know what he was gonna do the fact that he has continued working in horror at the level that he has and uh again I love sort of supernatural like haunted house movies and i think um conjuring is is one of the best examples of that in you know the last 20 years to be honest uh i don't know people might disagree with me i think it really is just an absolute pinnacle of that kind of horror filmmaking and i really like insidious as well a lot um and i loved um why can't i think of his most recent movie (laughs) Uh, uh, Malignant. Thank you, Brantley. Thank you. I've really enjoyed Malignant. Um, I've also enjoyed, I know they're kind of like a team, like Lee Winnell's movies. Um, yeah. I know he's written a lot of James Bond's movies, but the, the ones he's directed as well has been great. Invisible Man was great. I think that whole team, like camp of, of filmmakers right now is really exciting to me. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think at this point, like, it's beyond like okay they're good filmmakers and they made a horror movie or two they are genuinely just good horror filmmakers i have no doubt that they're talented in other respects but like i want them to continue working in this genre because i think that they have a lot to offer still um agreed so yeah that's it for me awesome well to recap this draft chapin in the first round you took ari aster in the second round you took toby hooper in the third round, you took M. Night Shyamalan. In the fourth round, you took Eli Roth. And in the fifth round, you took Robert Eggers. Uh, I took Wes Craven in the first round, George Romero in the second, uh, David Cronenberg in the third, Jordan Peele in the fourth, and Joe Dante in the fifth. And then, Nick, you took John Carpenter in the first round, Sam Raimi in the second, Mike Flanagan in the third, Mick Garris in the fourth, and then you finished out the entirety of the draft with James Wan in the fifth round. So now we move into post-draft analysis. And this, of course, is going to start with our undrafted free agents, the people we weren't able to sign to our team who didn't get drafted, but that who we would have drafted uh, had we had more rounds. Um, the next person on my like list as I put them together in terms of like who I wanted first uh, would have been Peter Jackson. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I didn't even think about Peter Jackson. Great choice. Yeah, no, I mean, those early films of his are, I think definitive horror and um, you know, they're ridiculous and over the top and silly in many ways, but um, he would have, he would have been next on my list um, there. And then I had, like, Stuart Gordon, Karen Kusama, Ty West, Lee Winnell, who you mentioned. And and then I had a bunch of other, like, honorable mentions for people who I think are kind of up and coming, but that um, maybe they've only had one horror film so far, or maybe just the films they made, they wouldn't have cracked this um, draft. Uh, but that would include people like, um, and I'm going to butcher her name, uh, Julia... Ducar now, you know, who did Raw and just had Titan oh, right, right. out, which obviously, you know, it's it's doing the festival circuit. I haven't seen or anything like that. It's, uh, it's Brand- out, though. It's out. It's playing here. Is it? Mm-hmm. Is it? Defin- okay. I, so. I I wasn't aware. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg, uh, who we mentioned earlier as well. 
Gigi Saul Guerrero, um, who I've liked some of her stuff. Uh, her most recent one, Bingo Hell, that's on Amazon Prime, I was not a huge fan of. Uh, I really appreciated that it, it starred like older women and specifically older women of color as like main characters and protagonists. You don't see that a lot um, in any movie, let alone uh, genre films. Um, and then a couple others like um, Jennifer Kent, who you mentioned, which I don't really consider Nightingale a horror movie, which is why she wouldn't have made my list. Um, I, you know, I just thought of, you know, Babadook pretty much as her one main horror film. Uh, and then Chelsea Stardust as well. So there's a couple others I would have had on there. Those are good. Those are good. Um, Any other honorable mentions you guys had that didn't make the list? Yeah. Uh, so I had um, Takasi Mike or Mike. I don't know how you say his last name. Oh, nice. I'm so glad he was the one international filmmaker I had like high on my list. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of his movies. <laughs> but like... <laughs> Whenever you hear about like the most disturbing movies ever made, like two of his movies make the list, and yeah. I'd love to watch them. I don't know where you watch them, maybe Shutter or something, but um, I'd love to watch them. I did. Did we do Dario Argento? I saw. So, um, oh, you're taking saw, all my picks. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I, don't be. That's great. Uh, I saw Suspiria um, with some some friends, and I rented. There's a there's a. Oh, you should look into this, Brantley. There's a there's a video like a, the one remaining video store here in portland like this big it's almost scarecrow like a scarecrow um, video it's called video uh, movie madness oh, um, movie Madness. yeah and it's uh they saved it somehow i don't know but it's it's got like every movie ever made and they they i think as part of a, a sort of expansion they have a small theater space you, you you that they rented out during COVID, and we um we did we watch the spiria there watch it somewhere <laughs> um, okay and it yeah i think we watched it there and it was like it was it was it was great um yeah. Uh and and weird and colorful and yeah. So um yeah. and then I, I had a pretentious pick that I, I have on here in, in Lee's honor but Michael Haneke for the mm. two funny game movies. I don't know if that, that counts, but like in a weird way I think like all his movies are kind of horror movies. Like The White Ribbon yeah. is kind of a horror movie in a weird way and uh um I like both the funny gay movies. I think I've seen... I know I've seen the original, and I think I've seen the sequel. They were both like... And they're, they're, it's essentially a shot-for-shot shot remake, right? But those movies are disturbing. And I think I think where I um, um, fall down is... Uh, I, 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 I don't like to be disturbed in the same way that I like to be scared. Um, yeah. But I, I think I, I think I admire being disturbed in a, in a way. And so my, I think those sort of, uh, pretentious <laughs> horror films that do that kind of are elevated for my purposes. Gotcha. Yeah. I felt very bad that so many of my picks were, were, were America centric, but just, I don't have enough of a, a, a grasp, I think on, on the Giallo films. And I loved Suspiria when I saw it years and years ago, and, but it's been so long since I've seen it and I don't have enough knowledge about Dario Argento's, the rest of his filmography or like, you know, Fulci or any of the other kind of Italian horror directors that were uh, coming out at that time as well. And uh, I don't think I've seen uh, like Ichi the Killer or um, 
was that audition was that the other one yeah, yeah. takashi Mike did yep. the, that you were probably referencing so i i couldn't speak to to him either but yeah i felt uh, i felt a little bad being so so america centric but no i had the same feeling i just the the filmmakers that i had that were on my list that i've now crossed off um international filmmakers were like i just couldn't justify putting them on my like all-star team because like i appreciate what they've done for the for the genre but they're just not <clears throat> like fulci and, and argento i a i haven't seen enough of their filmographies to be honest um yeah what i've seen of fulci is is fine <laughs> like zombie is mm-hmm. great zombie 2 um uh the beyond is is not that great but it, i think it's like kind of renowned it's, it's gory and, and fun and like all those movies are fun and they've got great soundtracks of course um yeah you know deep red uh great great movie i love it um but also just not enough for me to but um mike was on my uh was on my list and i almost chose him instead of flanagan in, in my fourth round um oh. he did um one missed call as well which is not a great movie in my opinion but that's like you know he's he's a guy who has worked in every genre again one of the most prolific filmmakers i mean he's done you know he's yeah, done a uh, western he's, so he's done movies. comedies he yeah he well that's the other thing his work ethic he's he's at one point at his peak he was averaging like four films a year um you know which is insane i don't know how that is even possible he's he's got like i don't even know i, I should look him up and i forget how many films he has under his belt but like too many to possibly watch all of them um and and for that reason alone i think he's he's worth and yeah he has a segment in three extremes and he's got he's he's uh he has i think contributed a lot to um recent horror as well um and uh and audition is is obviously great and each of the killer is you know <laughs> upsetting um <laughs> not something that i would rewatch necessarily but you know it's it exists. It's a good one. Um, I would also just nice. put. Um, I had Del Toro on my list and John Landis, yeah. Yeah, Frank Darabont. Del Toro. Those ones are all like Del Toro is more fantasy than horror for me, but like obviously big horror elements and and you know they are horror. What, like, what's Darabont's? Like I can think of one. He hasn't really done that much, but he's just he's he's another prolific Stephen King. He's done like he did. Um, He's done Green Mile and Shawshank, um, right? But and, and so those he, did the mist, right? he did the yeah. mist. Um, he also did uh, the Woman in the Room, which was like a short he did, I think, in college, which was another Stephen King adaptation, and I think that was like how that relationship started. And uh, Walking Dead, I mean, he created that series, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, you, I, Peter Jackson is a great choice, and then John Landis, who I think uh, I have lost so much respect for ever since I read about the twilight zone thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, unquestionably has made some good contributions to, to horror. I mean, American werewolf. I really like American werewolf. I think it's, it's, that's a classic. Um, and, uh, what else he did? He did innocent, innocent blood, I think. And he's done a couple other ones, um, that would fall in the horror genre. Um, but also works in comedy, which is great. I love directors who like, there's just like kind of polar opposites, but, Every once in a while, they. Um, that's it for me. I think those are. All right. Yeah, can't think of anyone else. Well, let's move into uh, the rest of our post-draft analysis with the reach of the draft and the steal of the draft. And I'll be honest, this is kind of tough um, because so much of this is just sort of everyone's own personal 
preference. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, I think Carpenter is a steal of the draft. In the first round? Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Go Wait, is that what third. that means? What does that mean? The steal is the one where you think like they got it uh, later than you thought they would have. Oh, like uh, they were oh, able to pick something up maybe in like a later round. It doesn't even have to be that later round. I think we've had like third rounds uh, be the steal. Uh, and a reach is where you think someone drafted something too early. I mean, I uh, drafted Ari Aster too early. <laughs> that's. I would only say that not because I don't think he's a great filmmaker, just because um, I would I didn't have him nearly that high on my list. But that so that's well, the only well, reason let me ask I would you say this. that. Would, if you if you were straight draft and fi- you had five first round picks, would he be on your list? Uh, let me understand what my order was here. No, he would not be. Fuck. In fact, this is funny. I got four of the five in a the. So I put the, after I did a brainstorming of all these directors, I put them in order that I would draft them, and I got four of the five in that order. John Carpenter being the only one I didn't get. I think the reach and the steal, just the concepts of those in general, is, is kind of interesting because the steal doesn't necessarily mean like, or sorry, the, you know the. The reach even doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's a bad movie or they're a bad filmmaker. It's just, it's all about like, like I didn't think Ariaster was going to get chosen until later on. So like I wouldn't have chosen him first only for that reason because I thought I would save him for a final round that no one else would pick him or something. Um, But by no means do I think he's, you know, he's absolutely on my list. So I like, it's hard to call him like a reach because he's a great choice. Um, But would you guys consider Steven Spielberg? Like if someone had picked him, because I entertained it. Yeah, he he was on my list, way oh, cool. down, way way down. He oh. also did a segment on uh pre like a Twilight Zone, not Outer Limits, not Twilight. There's another one I can't remember the name of it. Another anthology series he did. I think one of his first oh. credits is called the Eyes or the Eyes or the Eye. Um, so that half hour Duel segment is a, is a horror movie. Which one? Duel. All right, everybody, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Horror Drafts podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Chapin, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. We want to encourage everybody to check out the Get Your Film Fix podcast uh, that he co-hosts with Lee, who was on last episode, and with Jeremy Fisk, who we will hopefully be having on on an upcoming episode. Uh, Tune in next week, everybody, when we will be doing the Halloween franchise. See you then. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon. Mm-hmm.